Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Seven footers crew, how we doing out there, baby? I say it every week recently, obviously, but we are coming down to the wire. Game four on the brink of it, guys. How you doing over there, Drod? How's it going? I'm doing well, man. We are uh, at. We just finished game three uh, last night. Game four will be on Friday, the day this podcast comes out. Boston, of course, leads two games to one, and this is a uh, a pivotal game four, right? And be pressure packed. Um, a lot of stress stress in this game, and it'll be interesting to see how these teams come out. 100%. Pivotal game four, to say the least, because Golden State, people be sweating in the Bay. I know it's hot on the West Coast, but people are sweating, okay? This is a chippy series, which we love to see. And, you know, speaking of the word chippy, Draymond Green comes to mind, right? So, <laughs> had a chippier game in game two, but then he, you know, kind of is nowhere to be found in game three. So let's talk about what's going on with him a little bit here because in 35 minutes, I think he had, what, two points? Yeah. couple of turnovers, couple rebounds, but, I mean, he was really nowhere to be found. I mean, the uh, the Boston Celtics went on a 13-0 run with him on the floor. Yeah. Um, like it, wasn't, it wasn't one of Draymond's better games. You know, whenever he has a stat line like that, you know, the Charles Barkley um, – you know, disc comes to mind where he's always like, oh, Draymond, Mr. Triple Single or Mr. Quadruple <laughs> Single or or whatever you want to call him. And the reality is, right, Draymond hasn't had a great final so far. Through three games, he's had no. two meh games to pour mm-hmm. and one really good game in game two. And he is in many ways the bellwether for the Warriors, right? As good as Stephen Curry is and he's the engine and the system revolves around Steph and all that and Steph is the system. Draymond dictates how well this team plays because it's his force and activity defensively and his force and activity offensively that sets the tone for these guys. And that was missing in game three. You know, he said something interesting about how he was kind of in his head about like how the refs would call the game based on how he went, how he was playing in game two. And Jenna, you know, Draymond is the kind of player that basically has to play. I'm going to borrow a, a term from poker he kind of has to play on full tilt, right? Or just at about full tilt because Mm -hmm. that's when he's at his best. Now, the gift and the curse, and we often say that, right? Like your greatest strength is often your greatest weakness. That intensity, that passion, and that jaw jacking and all that stuff he does, that can sometimes be a detriment if it isn't kept under control and or if it's and there's an official who decides, I'm not dealing with your lip today, Draymond, and, you know, gives him text. And the thing about that is, is that Draymond gets 
a ton of leeway from the officials, right? Like the officials don't want to be out here tossing him out of games, right? But there's only so much they're going to take from him. And you see it after every single call, he's in an official space, jaw jacking, and they, they, they show tremendous restraint and give him that latitude. So, you know, yeah. again, it's for him, it's how far up to that line does he go? And, you know, in, in game three, you know, he wasn't really forcing the issue, forcing the envelope, and that's a problem. The other piece, too, Jenna, and we say this all the time about older players, and Draymond isn't, like, super old, but, like, he's in his 30s. Yeah. When you're a great player, and Draymond's a different kind of great player, right? He's not a 29 points. He's not that kind of great player. He is a, but he's a great player. The thing about as you get older is it's not that you can't be great anymore. Of course you can. It's just that you don't string together as many great and brilliant games consecutively as you did when you were in your 20s. That's just mm-hmm. the nature of playing extensive extensive basketball since you were young and playing deep into the finals and that's a little bit of what's going on right here with Draymond yeah and you know speaking of that control he fouled out with what four minutes left in the game Mm -hmm. so that's something we always talk about even I think earlier on in the season we spoke about it he needs to get that under control because you can't be fouling out of games and you know to go off of your point too he's not you know a 29 point whatever guy Mm -hmm. a night and I hate to just go by the box score and things like that because he impacts the game in a different mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. He impacts the game not in the typical, you know, numbers way, basketball reference, all that. But he he sets the tone. He This team is going to play dependent on how he plays. Mm-hmm. And you could mm-hmm. argue and say that about Steph Curry as well. Sure. But sure. like you said, in a different way, he's setting that especially defensive tone. Mm-hmm. So, again, and not sound like, you know, the Stephen A. Smiths of the world, but like he does need to get it together because again, pivotal game four on Friday. And yeah, he's got to really pick himself up out of that. And he might go on his podcast or whatever and preach about how, you know, hecklers don't get to him and things like that. And of course I'm sure they don't. He's been to the finals how many times, Right. but this situation, it's got to tweak you some, a little bit. You're human. I get it. For sure. You know, I think you're right, Jenna. Like, I don't think it gets into his head and, makes him cower or shrink from the moment that that's not who Draymond is. Right. Yeah. Draymond will tell you like he's sag nasty, right. From Saginaw, Michigan. And if you know anything about Saginaw, Michigan and people that come from that area, they don't scare easily or, or get, or get pushed around or bullied around. They're the bullies. Right. And that, that's who Draymond mm-hmm. is. But to your point, he is human, right. That stuff does impact him. We saw his wife, Hazel in her Instagram uh, yeah. stories after the game was like Boston fans, you know, yelling F you to my husband with my kids there. That was disrespectful. And I understand where she's coming from. But the reality of that is, is that Hazel, your husband invites that, right? Like he, he yeah. enjoys playing the villain role. And while I am never for fans getting ruler out of hand, what the Boston crowd did <clears throat> is what any crowd in the NBA does, right? Let's not act like the Golden State Warriors fans are, you know, any, any, any less uh, vile going at another player, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, I understand what she's saying, but at the same point, you can't be the an antagonist. And then when you are put on front street, you can't be like, oh, what, you guys stay classy. It's like, no, bro, like that's part yeah. of my friend. And again, you know me, Jenna, I am a hundred percent pro player. There is a line you do not cross and everyone knows mm-hmm. what it is. But the crowd training in unison, FU Draymond, I mean, yeah, maybe the vulgar language, whatever. But it's like, I mean, really, that's not the worst thing Draymond's ever heard in his life, right? And so I think that, again, when you antagonize and you enjoy and relish being in, being that villain, this is part and parcel of what, what comes with it, right? I don't think, again, that this was the <laughs> issue, but I do think that, you know, 
the NBA Finals, first of all, any playoff series is short sample size, right? The, ma- the, the max it can go is seven games. That's it. Can't go any longer yeah. than that. You've got to be on your P's and Q's and locked in and focused and eliminate distractions. Now, Draymond may be better at most at handling multiple things at once, and this ties into the podcast. I don't think the podcast is distracting him from his job. He's just not playing well, okay? And it's got nothing to do with yeah. the podcast because he podcasted after game two, right? So, or, or after game one and played well in game two. So it doesn't, it isn't about him podcasting and not focusing as Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas said on NBA TV after the game. This is just who Draymond is, right? <laughs> he feeds and fuels off of this. But more importantly than that, he's got to come in and set the tone and get himself engaged in the game in many ways come Friday. Yeah. I mean, so, so much to unpack there. I mean, yeah, I, I'll preface that by saying I'm pro player too, for sure. Um, But I thought his wife had a point and, you know, mm-hmm. the NBA putting those cards, cause I worked for yeah. the WNBA mm-hmm. too. They put those cards on every seat. I read them. I probably mm-hmm. have a picture of one or one in my purse at this point, but she has a point in them maybe not enforcing things like that as much as they should of the treatment of players. However, mm-hmm. there's also people that would come out and say, hey, you know, this is the NBA finals. Like, you see how trippy this is. You see who Draymond is. I'm going to put my wife and my kids in a box, in a mm-hmm. suite, whatever mm-hmm. you call it, whatever it may be. Again, the kids shouldn't be hearing that, but, you know, everybody's going to have their own opinion. That's that. It is interesting, too, how many people are talking about the podcast aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I get it. Um, I don't care if he records 50 podcasts <laughs> a day. Right. You, you know what I mean? Just, you know, impact the game and show up. That's it. So if he comes out in game four and he has a stellar performance, then, you know, people exactly. need to drop the podcast. Exactly. Off. But I will say what I find very interesting is that, and I'm not saying that he should or shouldn't be doing this. Um, really, I don't care. I just care about the game itself. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting that the league and and the Warriors don't have any problem with him going on and actually basically recapping these games <laughs> on a public platform yeah, like yeah, his. Yeah. Just because it's like that could that could be a little gray area, a little murky water is here and there. And again, I'm not saying going to the that Bleacher Report uh, reporter who right. got into Jake, it with Jake him Fisher. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. It is interesting that nobody has said anything. And, hey, maybe they did behind closed doors, but very, very interesting. Well, you know, Jenna, this is – I love you that you brought that up. This is hashtag new media, right, as Draymond's saying. And, <laughs> oh, yes. And, and, and he talked about this. Um, there is a proliferation lately, you see, Jenna, of current athletes going into media and having deals. We know Draymond's got his deal with Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, CJ McCollum just signed his deal with ESPN. We saw Patrick Beverly over the past month auditioning himself to get on there and, and be yeah. and be on, on, on ESPN as well. And what Draymond is saying is that we're about changing the narratives, right? And this is the problem with sort of the 24-7 uh, uh, sports media landscape is that these talk shows like First Take, First Things First, Get Up, and all these ridiculous shows, they have to fill two, three hours of an undisputed I want to yeah. give, give everybody their shine. They, mm-hmm. they, have, they have to fill three hours of, of time, right? Well, and keep in mind, these people are talking heads, right? They are media personalities. <laughs> some of them may have some NBA connections or NFL connections or whatever in terms of who they talk to. But by and large, they are there to give hot takes, to yeah. route, route people up, have a debate style. It's not even a debate because it's just two people yelling at each other, to yell back and forth cut a clip from it, throw it on social media, 
have it go viral, have everybody lose their mind and have that be a thing. And that, that is the economy. That is how that economy works. Well, for that to continue on, you've got to just say wild things every day because especially in the, in the finals where you have two days off in between <laughs> games, there ain't no game for a whole 24 hours. You got to talk about something, right? right. So you're going to, and instead of talking about the game, because again, and you have to think about this this way, Jenna, these shows are not for diehard X's and O's, NBA league pass heads. That's yeah. not who they're for. These shows are for casual sports fans, right? That's what it is because what draws the casual fan in is player personality and all sorts of things, right? So anytime Stephen A or any of these guys make any kind of critiques, it's like, oh, so-and-so, you heard what Stephen A said about you? And it's like, right, it's, it's just this, this constant back, but that, that is the economy. It just feeds itself over and over and over, and that is what works for the casual fan. I promise you, folks, those shows wouldn't exist if people weren't watching them and sharing the clips on social and doing all the things, right? Now, you guys know me. Check my social feed. I don't share none of them things or pay attention to any of that crap because it's nonsense. But again, I am not their target audience, right? That's not who they're catering for. They're catering, mm-hmm. again, for that casual fan that likes to get involved in the drama and all the silliness that these people say on TV. And, you know, Draymond and CJ and these guys, their point is, well, since those conversations and those narratives that these people bring up, that is what the majority of people who watch the sport think. We want to change that because you guys are telling half-truths or not or, or outright lies, right? And so they want to come mm-hmm. out and put their side of the story out there. Look, I commend them. I think it's an interesting place where we're going for people like us who are actual journalists who like actually do this. I'm not sure I want athletes like out here and, you know, just doing their thing and, you know, it's going to make it a little yeah. different job for us. But, you know, be that as it may, that's where we're at. Yeah, very interesting conversation that um, I'm sure you and I will have both on this pod again and outside the pod because um, like you said, yeah, it is interesting for folks like us. Um, I think a healthy balance and a healthy mix is great. I'm interested to see where this this goes because the way these players are taking over the narrative is interesting because it's like, okay, when are we going to have to report news or are we going to just mm-hmm. talk to you guys about it mm-hmm. and you break it all? Like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. interesting. Like I said, different conversation for a different time because we have the NBA finals. Here. So let's talk about really quick some of your key takeaways from game three, because there were quite a lot. I mean, we're seeing a little bit of this, um, this, I don't, I hate the word old, but this, uh, (laughs) older, Mm -hmm. uh, Warriors team, uh, getting banged up on the floor. You got the Celtics, the J and J duo, uh, in Tatum and Brown running circles around them a little bit. And again, before y'all come for me in the Bay, you know, that's what it looked like to me in game three. So 116-100, I mean, uh, Kerr pulled the starters out yeah, at the end of the yeah. game. So Yeah. So we had we had two blowout games, right, in games two and games three. Uh, in game one, you know, it wasn't quite a blowout, but the Celtics kind of put the hammer down in the fourth and kind of, you know, stretched ahead a little bit. Yeah. You're seeing a back and forth. And you're seeing how close the series is. But as it wears on, Jenna, one of the takeaways I have from this game is the Celtics are just bigger, longer, and more athletic. And ultimately, that matters, right? In game two, they turned the ball over a ton, they being the Celtics. And Ime Doka said after the game, part of it was over-dribbling and our spacing was bad. You watched game three, their spacing was much better. I say this to you all the time, Jenna, and you know. When you're playing defense, it is much easier to guard people and cause turnovers when you push them into a crowd because there's multiple people around who can get their hands on the ball. But if you space 
right? And you have people who are in this in their right spots, Jason Tatum in the strong side corner. Well, you're not helping off of Jason Tatum to go double whoever has the ball. That's Jason Tatum, right? So that allows you to have more space to operate. And that's what you saw in game three. The Celtics cut their turnovers down, and that's a bellwether for them. 15 or more turnovers, and they lose. Under 15, they win, right? I mean, it's pretty simple math. The other piece was they were physical, right? They uh, 56 to 20... Three points in the paint. The Celtics won that battle and 16 to six in offensive rebounds. I mean, that second chance opportunities, right? That is the name of the game. And Jenna, here's the other piece they do. You know, we talk about the Warriors offense and what they like to do. The Cuisinart, right? The constant off-ball cutting, the motion, the moving. That's It's hard to guard that for 24 seconds. The Celtics mucked that up and didn't let all that go on. And they forced the Warriors into something they didn't want to do. Most teams in the NBA kind of run high pick and roll, get their best player isolated to score, right? Mm-hmm. That's how most teams in the NBA play. The Warriors don't play that way. Not only do they not play that way, they don't like to play that way. And I, you understand why. Much harder to defend when all five players on the floor are weaponized versus, oh, I know the ball's going to this guy. Well, you know, I, yeah, he's still an amazing player, but we know ain't nothing else going to happen, but this guy going to take a shot. They forced the Warriors, Jenna, into high pick and roll with Steph Curry on offense, which is, again, not how they prefer to play. Now, Steph Curry is brilliant, one of the greatest players of all time. So, of course, he can light that up and score. However, that type of heliocentric play that Luka Doncic does, that James Harden does, Steph has never had to do that in his career. That's not how they play. Again, it is constant motion, moving the ball, everybody touching, getting involved. That wears on you when you have to play that kind of that kind of uh, heliocentric basketball. That's mm-hmm. a big reason why players like Luca and James Harden don't play great defense because they got to do all this work on the offensive end. They take a rest on that end of the floor. Yeah. And then defensively, while Steph is not just improved as a defender, I would even go so far as to say he is a good defender. But what they are doing when you couple the make Steph play a lot of high pick and roll and one-on-one to tire him out on defense, they are pulling him into action every single time on the screen roll game and what have you. What does that mean? It's not that necessarily, oh, the Celtics scored on Jade, uh, on, on Curry or not. Every time he's got to come over a screen, that means he's getting banged and bumped, right? Mm-hmm. The idea is, does the cumulative effect of involving him on every action on defense and forcing him to play high pick and roll and isolation on offense, does that make him play poorly as the game wears on and as the series wears on? And there was a stat, Jen, I'm going to pull it up, about uh, Curry's numbers in the fourth quarter. And I thought it was interesting because he's, he's having a brilliant series. Uh, but StatMuse put this out there. Steph Curry's fourth quarter stats in the finals through three games. Six points, three assists, three turnovers, three of 10 from the field, 0 of three from three, minus 30. Now, small sample size, I get all that. However, there is something to the idea of, and you can see, that is the Celtics strategy. They're like, no, no, no. We're going to make you do what you don't want to do. You want to do Cuisinart. You want everybody touching <laughs> off-ball action, bing, 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 bing. No, no, no. We're not letting you do that. We're going to stuff the paint so you're not getting any layups at the rim. And yeah, you're going to beat us from the top shooting threes. And now, most people, Jenna, would say, oh my God, how could Boston do that? Let the Golden State Warriors beat them from three. The Warriors are this amazingly great three-point shooting team. Bah, 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 bah. Well, Jenna, we talked about this, right? The Warriors and the, the Celtics are essentially even as it relates to uh, three-point shooting. So throughout the entire playoffs, so not just the finals, the entire playoffs, here are the numbers. The Warriors are making 13.9 three-pointers per game. 
on 36.4 attempts. The Celtics are making 13.9 three-pointers per game on 37.2 attempts. Warriors are shooting 38.3%. Celtics are shooting 37.3%. They're basically identical. So the Warriors ben don't Martins. have this massive advantage from three. And if you look at the stats for the first three games, the teams have been even from three. So if the Warriors mm-hmm. aren't getting the easy back cuts and layups, and they're not killing you from three, well, then what's happening? Oh, Gerard. <laughs> the margins. They're just too thin. <laughs> they're just too thin out here in these streets. So um, before I move on to, uh, you know, how, how both teams can attack game four, Talk to me about Steph Curry. Are you concerned about those ankles of his after uh, he fought for that ball with Horford? Uh, He said today that he's playing game four, so it doesn't look like it was too painful for him. Now, you know, he had ice baths and all that and, you know, the different things to stimulate and get him ready. No doubt um, it got tweaked a bit, right? Um, Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens in the game, what his mobility looks like. I'm sure he'll be fine, but... Look, at this time of the year, Jenna, everybody's dealing with something, right? Nobody's 100%. Everybody's got some kind of nagging thing. And the question is, for the rest of the series, how long does that thing or those things nag? And do they get worse and make you a little worse? You just said my favorite thing about the playoffs and finals, which I always say, the margins are thin. Okay, well, if your best player is 2% worse, that may be the difference between you winning and losing a championship, right? That's how thin this, these things are. So, yeah, I'll be curious to see what he looks like, and I imagine the Celtics are going to keep their game plan the same. We're going to attack him every time on defense, right, to wear him out, force them into uh, high pick and roll in isolation. Let's see how he does in the fourth quarter. All right. So uh, speaking of, you know, the approach to game four, what is the key thing for both teams or what adjustments need to be made? And adding to that, let's start with the Warriors. Yeah. Does Steve Kerr need to give the bench more opportunity? You know, it's interesting you say that. Um, because he of loves people, his veteran stars, of course, of course. Of course. I mean, coaches during this time of the year, they stick, it's like they're, they're human beings like we are. They stick to what they know, right? Mm-hmm. And I say this all the time. You know this, Jenna. When we as humans are in periods of stress or discomfort, we revert back to what is familiar. That is just human behavior. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Well, Kerr's going to be like, I am going back to, who I know can play in these series, which is, which are Steph, Draymond, Clay, my vets, right? The, the vets are going to have to do a better job, Jenna, of keeping dribble penetration in front of them. They did not do a good job of that in game three. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum got downhill and into the paint. In game two, the Warriors did a much better job of staying in front. Now, part of that was because the spacing was so poor by Boston in game two. Boston improved their spacing in game three to not allow that, right? They have to keep that up. The other piece for the Warriors is, of course, we mentioned to start the show, Draymond. He has got to be active on both ends, offensively and defensively. On offense, it is clear. They're like, yeah, we'll let you shoot because we know you ain't making those. Okay, that's cool. But you have to find a way, Draymond, <laughs> to punish them for leaving you that wide open, right? Something, whether it be put the ball on the ground, get to the get to the rim, get out something, right? You can't just be like, oh, I'm going to just take this backpack jumper three and brick it and then be like, oh, I don't really want to shoot the ball right now, man. You got to make them pay for this, right? That's part of the deal. The other thing for the Warriors is, and then defensively, as I mentioned, right, keeping dribble penetration in front. Do we see more Gary Payton Jr., uh, Gary Payton the second? First of all, can we, can we talk about that? Why is he Gary Payton the second and not Gary Payton Jr.? You know what? It's interesting you say that because that <laughs> tripped me up a little bit. I was writing a story. I had to write his name, and I was like, I, I honestly 
was going to write Junior. And then I was like, wait, everybody's writing the second. So what the hell is going on here? We're going to have to talk to uh, Gary Sr. or Gary 1. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. So is he Gary Sr. or Gary 1? Like, yeah, like uh, what's the dealio here? Because <laughs> inquiring minds want to know what your son's name is. It's just so weird. Anyway, so this is Gary Payton II see more time, right? Um, the Warriors fans are clamoring for Jonathan Kaminga because yeah. he is the he is super athletic, he's got young legs. Can he, you know, control the defensive and offensive boards? That's the other piece about the, the words. Kevon Looney wasn't great in game three either and could not control the boards. He was big in game two, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, is Kevon Looney facing a little bit of fatigue, right? I mean, he played all 82 games and is playing all playoffs, right? Listen, folks, we talk about this all the time. And it's funny because this is the conversation that was brought up about Adam Silver potentially shortening the, the season. And everybody's just going to ask you about every, that. everybody losing their godforsaken minds with their stupid macho tropes of, Oh, well, 82 games was good for everybody in the eighties. These guys are pampered. They got private jets and blah, blah. it's like, dude, like, stop. The game is so much harder to play. Is now. Richard Jefferson listening. Here? Yeah, this, this, That was definitely <laughs> and definitely aimed at RJ. Shouts to RJ. It's my guy, but me too. Yo, good but guy. It's like, but it's like, dude, the game is much harder to play now, okay? Back in the day, you had to play the game beneath the three-point line. Hell, in, in the 80s, look, look back at some of those games. You're like, everybody's in the paint. Well, guess what? Not a whole lot of ro rotating out and crashing out to three because you don't got to do that. In this game days, oh, no. There's too much skill and too many people flared all over the court. Too many teams play five out. That's a lot more ground to cover, a lot more load on your body. Yeah, they have private jets and they have all the best sports science in the world, but any sports scientist will tell you. Three loads in a week, which is about what NBA players play. So they play every other day. So over the course of seven days, they usually play three games, sometimes four. Mm -hmm. That's too many. Too many games over the course of seven days. The maximum any player should play in the NBA over seven games is two. But, you know, that's a conversation for a different day. Um, yeah. So yeah is, 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 Looney, is Looney dealing with a little bit of fatigue there? And then, you know, Jordan Poole, you know, he's someone who's interesting, Jenna, because he was getting a lot of flowers and a lot of talk about uh -huh. how great he is. And, mm -hmm. and look, this isn't about coming at Jordan Poole. It's not right. He's a, he's a very good young player, but the idea that because he played so well in the regular season and early in the playoffs, that would just transition to the NBA finals against this defense is very different. I watched Jordan Poole relatively closely. Here's what I, here's what this I want is his first trip for to sure. this far. First at trip all. to the finals. Here's what I want to say about Jordan Poole. When the Warriors are behind or losing in a game, I don't really see him doing a whole lot to help them get ahead. And when the game is tight, right, one possession here or whatever, I also don't see him as that player that's, oh, Jordan Poole, like going on a personal like 9-0 run and all that. All those antics he does, and, and antics is, has such a negative connotation, but you know what I mean. When he's hitting that yeah. half-court deep shot and he's preening and peacocking, the Warriors are usually ahead in those games, right? Now, I'm not going to go as far as to say he's a front runner, but, you know, the pressure is a little bit lighter when you're already up to do all that. But when you are down or when it is tight and we need you to help us come back, little it's a little bit different ball game, right? So, anyway, that's just something to, to note as well. And, of course, the, the Celtics mm -hmm. are attacking him on defense every time as well. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean... That, that, that's, that's the point, right? You, you, you find the weak point and you stress it. You stress it, you stress it to force the other team to do something different. Yeah, this is a huge lesson and a test for the Warriors. No matter what happens, aside from the actual NBA Finals, this is a huge test for the Warriors because 
I'm not going to say, actually, maybe this might be the hardest defense that this collective group has faced. Yeah. So this is a major yeah. masterclass uh, for the Warriors, especially on offense. So that's important to note, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially for these second unit guys like Poole and Kaminga and mm-hmm. uh, Moody. Otto and, Jr. and yep, 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 yeah. all those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge lesson for them. So that's why I asked you if Kerr should be kind of, you know, I get it. It's NBA Finals. Yeah. We're here to win. But maybe mm-hmm. giving them a little taste of that. We'll uh, see. I mean, remember. That, that juice, that impact. In, in 2015, uh, a Warriors assistant coach decided, hey, why don't we go small and play Steph, Curry, and, and Andre together with Harrison Barnes and put Draymond at the five? And that unlocked, of course, what is colloquially known as a death lineup. And that was a revelation at the time that really made the Warriors tough to guard. Do they have a similar ace up their sleeve this go round? I don't know. We'll see. Difference, right, of course, you, difference, of course, there is, is that Andre Iguodala was the fifth person you were putting in, an experienced veteran, right? Not a rookie. So True, true. Um, yeah, and you answered my question uh, with Poole. I was going to ask you, you know, second unit-wise, how how much pressure is on him because, again, he was hyped up so much. But, um, yeah, you answered it. So let's chat a little bit about um, what these Celtics need mm-hmm, to do mm-hmm. to make sure that they take home a win on their home floor in game four. Jenna, this Celtics team is so bizarre. They almost don't know how to handle success, right? <laughs> they don't. Like You're right, though. They're, aren't they, like, really bad uh, uh, number-wise, statistically on – yes. At home. Following a win, they almost invariably lose the next game. And it's like, I don't like this is the NBA finals, my G's. Like, yeah. You have to, and all the old heads will tell you, anyone who's won a title will tell you. When you have a champion staggering or on the ropes, you must knock them the F out. Do not give them life or let them come up off the mat. Now. That doesn't mean that the Warriors can't win game four. Of course they can. But it should not be in the manner as the way game two went down, where they got punked, okay, as Ime Udoka said. <laughs> you, this team, win or lose, has to feel you for all 48 minutes. If yeah. they are incredible and they're making incredible shots, okay, that, that happens. They do have Steph Curry, after all, and Clay Thompson, okay? So, yeah, that might happen. But if you out here and you just, you know, come in with a lackadaisical kind of half-ass attitude in game four and you're not cutting hard and your spacing is poor, it's like, what are you doing? This is the NBA Finals. You have a monumentous opportunity to go up 3-1. You go up 3-1. The Warriors must defeat you three straight times against that defense that is highly unlikely. Again, get them to that point where you're ready to step on the neck and take and take it over, right? Have that sort of like primal uh, 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 attitude about that. So they need to come out with the requisite force, not be, you know, lackadaisical, turning the ball over, poor. Again, not the right disposition offensively and defensively. Jason Tatum, when you get to the rim and you feel as though you were fouled and no foul was called, stop standing back there arguing with the ref and let the Warriors go on a five-on-four break the other way. Cut that shit out. This is the <laughs> NBA Finals. Right? Like, come on, man. You're trying to win. No time for that foolishness. Yeah, I get it. You're mad about a a foul call. At the next dead ball, let the ref know about it. Right? I mean, they'll remember. Like, hey, man, you missed that one. Right? Let them know. But don't don't stop in the middle of it. Right? And so it'll it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Again, 
on their specific defensive drop coverage they have on Steph, which everybody's killing them for. You can't give Steph drop coverage because he's so good. Oh, that's all I've been hearing is drop uh-huh. coverage, drop uh-huh. coverage. This is their plan, right? Because again, they want Steph to be the only person scoring and shut everybody else down. Can you inch up just a little bit more, a, a half a beat closer to make that three a little tougher, right? Yeah. Um, just, just, a, just a half a beat. He is the greatest shooter of all time. So you're going to make it, probably make it more often times than not, but just make it a little bit more tougher. Get that contest a little closer. That's all. But I understand the strategy and what they're doing. And do what you do. Robert Williams has been a revelation for this team. His ability to protect the paint, uh, rebounds, and with him and Horford, when they go two bigs, again, that cuts off paint points. They must continue that that mindset. No scoring in the paint. If you're going to beat yep. us, you're going to have an ungodly night from three, which they could have because they are the Splash Brothers after all. But the percentages tell us mm-hmm. there isn't this wide gap between the Warriors and the Celtics as it relates to three-point shooting. I don't think so. Uh, you know, as for the way the rest of this series is going to go, I mean – it's it's been pretty unpredictable somewhat here, but I will say that the Warriors, um, Patrick Beverly said this today on, you know, your favorite show, First Take, <laughs> um, and I thought it was very interesting because it's true, and it's kind of like, you know, looking in the mirror a little bit. We are not seeing the same Warriors team, and I'm not saying they're playing, you know, um, they're playing shitty or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that we are seeing a Warriors team that has evolved into years long into the, in the process here, they are a little slower and they, it's this team that you have to accept. It's like the LeBron James factor. You Mm -hmm. have to accept that he's getting older, which I'm Mm -hmm. working on that. Okay. (laughs) But, and eventually there will be an end, but yeah, we are watching this team that I'm not using the word deteriorating because hello, hall of famers here still playing in their prime and they're they're in the finals. (laughs) Yeah. And they're in the finals, but we are seeing them have tougher challenges Hence, this Celtics team. So, w- with all that said, I'm trying to say Steph Curry needs to be firing on all cylinders and healthy with those ankles. Clay Thompson needs to show up game six form, and Draymond Green needs to be here, uh, you know, at all times impacting the game if you want to win this series. I mean, what do you think down the stretch here, how this will pan out? I mean, look, the Celtics are just younger, right? At the positions that matter. Tatum, Brown, Smart, those are younger guys, right? And Mm -hmm. everybody made a big deal about who's got experience and who doesn't. This core Celtics group of Tatum, Brown, and Smart have a ton of playoff experience. They've been to conference finals, right? They just couldn't get over the hump and get into the NBA finals. Well, they're here now. So, right? And they've seen what it is, right? And so they're they're getting valuable experience as it goes on. If the Warriors are to win, yeah, they're they're their main guys, Steph. Draymond and Clay are going to have to play excellent. And look, Clay shot it a little bit better in game three, but mm-hmm. he still ain't shooting great. And defensively, he's not what he once was. And, you know, listen, it's what did I say about the margins being thin? If you're 2% worse, 3% worse, that may be enough to tilt it the other way, right? That's what we're talking yep. about here. That's just enough to tilt it the other way. Yep, big facts. And I think also the key to the Celtics, too, is, again, like you said, uh, making them go off from three. And they're going to have to, again, less in that room that Steph Curry has because I mean he's that good that like you need to pu- be pushing it up um on him so interesting stuff there our last question are you still confident in your finals prediction Celtics and six I am I think you know it would behoove the Celtics to go up 3-1 and win this game on Friday because that would I think set them up to be in the driver's seat to do that mm-hmm. right because if it's 2-2 going back, which, you know, it's fine. They can do it. 
they have to win game five on the road and then come back and right so it's like and it's not that look if you're up three one you don't play and this is the problem with the celtics your the goal is to win every game you play so if they go up three one you don't go to the bay with the idea of eh we got game six back at the crib we're good no 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 again do not let these championship teams have any life this is what they did in the last series against Miami. They were up 3-2, had game six at home, Jenna, to close it out. What'd they do? Lose. No, man, because you want no parts of a game seven in Golden State. None. Nope. No parts of that. You do not. So when you have a chance to really put it on their necks and take a stranglehold, you do it. Amen there. Um, before I let you take the floor, because um, you have some sort of announcement to make, I see here in our show run. <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to you and my girl Gabby on the Kicks and Shit Show oh, for you, celebrating your hundredth you. episode. Thank you, thank guys, you, guys. Go thank check you. it out; it's the greatest show ever. Thank you, um, thank I'm you. always tagging them in my sneaker posts. Uh, they have the great Christina Williams on mm-hmm. this week for their hundredth mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. of Girls Talk Sports. She's making waves in the WNBA. Great stuff. Go check them out. Thank but you, Gerard. The, of course, of course, <laughs> my people love to see them shine. Um, but the floor is yours because, uh, guys, I don't even know what's about to happen here. Gerard has something to say, and that's all it says in the show rundown with a bunch of dots after it. I, I so love it. I'm to, just going to sit back here and enjoy to, this. To make Jenna nervous. Honestly, it's not a big deal. It's something I just, it's funny that I noticed. Jenna, how old would you say Deuce Tatum is? Um, he is four. Why? Because I write these stories for okay. a living every day. <laughs> He's four. <laughs> okay. Deuce Tatum is four years old. That game last night ended at, I don't know, it seemed like close to midnight. Why the hell is a four-year-old toddler up at midnight in a loud ass arena? <laughs> this is what I, I want to talk say. about. Why is Deuce Tatum? I mean, listen, his dad's the NBA father. Like, get all that, my guy. You four years old. What are you doing up at this hour? <laughs> you know what? That's hilarious. I was uh, also think pondering that as well. But then I went online and I I saw why he was. Let me tell you, he was um feeling Nelly's diamond chain after the game. They had a quick meeting on the floor. Yeah, he's very important. Um, and from the video footage I see inside the locker room, he's part of the team. He's dapping guys up. He's dissing guys. I mean, it's it's quite interesting. I mean, he has become a superstar. And Tatum did some recent interviews and commentary on, you know, how this has kind of been unexpected. I mean, he's yeah. also coming into huge fame, if no you doubt. think about no it. No doubt, no doubt. So having his son kind of there... Yeah. You yeah. know, and you know the public loves a good narrative, and this has oh. become the wholesome narrative <laughs> of the Celtics. No doubt. It, it, I just thought it was funny. I was like, I literally was watching it. I was like, what is that child doing up at this hour of the night? Like, well, <laughs> when I saw this, uh, you know, Gerard has something to say. I thought it was going to be about Richard Jefferson and the whole oh, um, nah, 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 84, 82 we'll, game. We'll, 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 we'll get into that another up, time. So I was like, oh. Yeah, we'll oh. get into that another time. I just thought it was funny that Deuce is up at literally 12 midnight, past midnight. I'm like, hope you got lots of naps in that day. Because, uh, yeah, Lil Man was probably out like a light today. <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, you know, you, you, film session. You, you have a young niece, and it's like, I mean, I, I would imagine. Your brother and sister-in-law don't want her up at midnight. Like, oh no, they love their their free time. So they're like, oh, bedtime. All right, let's go. Well, shout out to Deuce. He is out there doing his thing. Um, you know, I, I'm getting Rally Curry vibes, right? Like he's kind of becoming yes. a little star on his own. And you know, it's good that Jason's able to share this with his son. That so you know, it it, it is a good moment uh, uh for them all to see that. 
It is. There was a funny meme before we wrap it up. There was a funny meme and it was like, um, you've definitely seen it before. It was two little kids running to meet each other and they hug and whoever tweeted, shout out to them, I don't know, but they were like, when Deuce and Cannon meet in the finals, <laughs> I lost it. It was so cute. I was, oh my God. It was I mean, so this good. is, listen, the, the human interest, this is what people, right? This is what people like about sports. Anyway, folks, thank you for rocking with us. The next time you talk to us, hmm, the NBA Finals may look vastly different. Of course, we are part of the Props Network, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, SoundCloud, at Semblers Pod on Twitter, at Semblers Podcast on Instagram, at JS Hector, at Gentleman Selling. And until next time, peace.